Another episode of Movie Riches. Yep, how are you doing? It's the two riches. We're going to get back into this. And uh, we're all feeling better. Yep, somewhat. <laughs> I still have a little bit of something hanging on, but nothing like uh, it was a couple weeks ago. So. Yeah. so, where did we leave off? Let's see. We left off Hour of the Wolf. Hour of the Wolf. What? Which... Dose Rich just watched uh, recently, so it's fresh in his mind. Um, I did not get to see this, but uh, we'll go ahead and kick it off and let him get right into this. All right, so it is true. I literally just watched Hour of the Wolf. Uh, last week we decided we were talking about who we were going to try and find the time to watch it. I was able to. I was wrong. It is definitely a horror movie. Um, and for you film buffs out there who are familiar with Ingmar Bergman, he made a lot of movies. All of them are pretty much excellent. Uh, you know, Criterion Collection, you know, considered some of the greatest movies ever made. And he has a, a psychological bent. Um, he's got a lot of uh, artistic uh, panache uh, that really could do well in a horror movie. And uh, he never made one, or so I thought. Apparently he did. I did Wikipedia after I watched it and realized it was a horror movie. Uh, and it said that this is the only horror movie he made in the intro. So if Wikipedia is wrong, which it often is, and there's another <laughs> horror movie out there, someone email us and let us know. Because this, I really enjoyed this. Um, by the way, I you know, just a little sidetrack on Wikipedia. The plot synopsis on Wikipedia is wrong. It's out of sequence and things are wrong. This happens a lot. So if you're going to try and fake watching this movie, be very vague. Because the Wikipedia plot is wrong. But it is a great movie. Um, it's a tough movie. I, if I had to, I don't know if it could go in top 100 horror movies. This is going to be a tough watch for a lot of people. It's really slow. It's really melancholic. Uh, it's got a lot of elements that make other Ingmar Merman films great. Uh, with dialogue that's straight to the point that's very vague and can be taken multiple different ways. This is a psychological horror movie. You really have no idea what the hell is going on. Um, a lot of scenes can be taken a lot of different ways. There is a reveal where someone murders someone. It's very central to the plot and what's going on. And I couldn't tell if it was insinuating that the person has anger issues or he was trying to molest the kid and the kid refused and then therefore he beat him to death with a rock. Uh, this is definitely a movie I will be re-watching. I really enjoyed it. But I do feel it's a two or three times to really figure out what's going on. And even then you'll argue with people. If you like that type of movie, I really recommend this. Um, basic plotline of this movie is... It's actually almost like a found footage type setup. Uh, it opens up telling you that a man has been gone for a year. So you already know something terrible is going to happen to him. It interviews his wife. Then the movie begins. Then it ends with an interview of his wife. Then it shows some clips of like what happened. And then it ends once again with the wife talking about her emotions about it. Um, I don't wanna, I'm not gonna give you away too many details, but basically they go to this island. The people on the island, like they think is deserted. It turns out there's a castle there. There's people living there. And things get very strange. It's separated into two parts. The first part is kind of a dark, romantic thing then there's literally an intermission card that says the hour of the wolf and shit 
gets real. Uh, I like this movie a lot. I really, really enjoyed it. I definitely put it on my top 100 horror movies for myself. I don't know if I, for everybody. Like I said, it's a tough watch. This is a very, I don't want to say highbrow, I don't want to say condescending. This is just a tough watch. It's, it's if you tie into a movie like Lighthouse Boring, which a lot of people do, this movie is going to be ultra boring. Uh, it's very slow. It's purposely in black and white. It's filmed at odd angles. It's got very simplistic dialogue. It requires you to really think. It's in Swedish. You also have to read. You got to guess. I mean, it captures emotions and like a conversation around the dinner table about a woman desperately trying to get her husband's attention and prove he loves her. About going through a shopping list. She asks him not to just hand him one and goes through a shopping list for five minutes. This is end of movie for everybody. But if you're willing to read the dialogue, think about what's going on, try and interpret the scenes, try and figure out what the people that are on the island really are. I mean, are they demons? Are they a cult? Are they just people? Is there anybody? Did she finally just get too upset and take care of business? I mean, these are all... This movie could go a lot of different ways. Like I said, I would probably be re-watching this movie two or three times. But Ingmar Bergman is a fantastic director. Some people think he's the best director of all time. He's got a lot of great work in here. There's a lot of fantastic scenes, great film work, uh, perfectly paced acting. I mean, this was a great, great movie. I give it four and a half for I see. The, <coughs> excuse me. I see that the director. Well, actually, I see that the reviewer on Slant Magazine actually compares this to Mother, the newer movie by Darren Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it, does it, see, I've seen Mother, but obviously haven't seen this. Is there, was this something that Mother built off of? You know, I would love, love to answer that, except for I have not oh, seen Oh, you have that. not this seen it. It's the only Arvnowski movie I haven't seen. Uh, <coughs> I have not seen it. Mother is pretty disturbing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if, if this reviewer is correct, and it, and it does have that same surreal, you know, surrealism and, and oh, no, it, mother. It, it, it is, it is very, I'll say this much. I, I will not exaggerate. I've seen every Arthur's movie other than Mother. I can pretty much guarantee you I would not disagree with that. No, no. <clears throat> he's a modern director that clearly, if he's not inspired by, somehow miraculously has almost the same style. Okay. You know, uh, a lot of, you know, if you like Arvnowski movies, you go back and watch any Barb Bergman movies. Yeah. Uh, because they're... Well, this, I mean, this guy's not actually yeah. saying... No, I'm just saying, like that, no, that feel, yeah. no, I'm saying that feel uh, is there. Like, that surreal feel, the cinematography, the... I mean, yeah, no, like, they, they are very similar, so I can see it being that way. And I have, I saw the trailers from other, you know, I want, it's just, I was working a lot of the time, I just haven't got around to seeing it, and uh, there's a lot that touches on, yeah, there's the... The guy has issues with family abuse. He does have hidden lies within lies. And so, yeah, I definitely can see it being... Yeah, I definitely can see yeah, it that. being very, very similar. <laughs> I mean, they're very similar directors in style. So, as far as that feel, that gotcha. surreal feel. So, All right, well, by let's... the way, uh, if we're going to talk about that, you know, I know this everyone says this is a little, his overrated movie, but this Fountain's his best movie. I don't care what he says. I don't care. <laughs> you can go for your more chic choices. The Fountain's his best movie. All right, all right. Well, so four and a half riches. Followed by The Wrestler. I love The Wrestler. Yeah, The Wrestler is really good. Well, yeah. By the way, for you people that were bored by it and didn't quite understand the ending, that's the way I'd like to go out if I was that way, too. If I had nothing left to live for, I'm going out on top, doing what I love. That's right. The Wrestler is really good. But that, see, that's for a different list. Yeah, I know a lot of people were bored by it, but I love that. You know, I really enjoyed it. I fucking love it. Marissa Torme. I love Marissa Torme. 
Yeah, and then just I mean, Ricky Rourke really or Mickey Rourke really did a, a really fantastic. Oh, well, he's a great actor. He's too bad he fucking he screwed up his face really badly in his boxing career. But anyway, well, get... <laughs> one little quick thing: if you like Mickey Rourke, you like horror, it'll never make a huge list, so you probably never hear about it. But Angel, Angel Heart is yeah. a, yeah, Angel Heart is a very yeah. good movie. There's a cameo in there by Robert De Niro. He's well, a small I, role. Yeah, I'd say more of a cameo. Yeah, and more of a cameo. But yeah. basically, you know, they they pump him on the cover. But no, it's basically just a Mickey Rourke solo feature, and that is a private eye. Movie. It's a private eye movie that definitely deals with satanic horror. Oh, yeah, it's great. So it, it's a it's a good horror film. I actually really enjoy it. Very long for some for some people, even though it, it may not. You know, say that on, on, on the back of the cover on IMDb, the movie goes at a slow pace, but when the disturbing things happen, they happen. Yeah, no, it is a, that is a forgotten gem. That's a great movie. You know, figured I'd bring it up because you're the movie guys. You're listening to us for these types of things. That's right. All right, so four and a half for uh, Hour of the Wolf. We're going to yeah, move I on. Mean, I personally liked it at a five, uh-huh. but it's just, it's so... Heady is the only word I can think of. Like, you got to be on top of it. It's not one you drink with. It's not one you and your friends chit-chat. If you're not 100% paying attention, you're not going to enjoy it. Okay, so let's move on to number 39, 1973's Wicker Man, not the the remake. The toast, the toast. The, the bees. Like that, yeah, right? yeah, well, it's yeah, the, the bees, bees, not the bees. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like they got the toast meeting. <laughs> But no uh, knock on Nicolas Cage because I oh I really I, I've Cage actually I've really been enjoying some of Cage's uh, new horror that's been coming out. This stuff even some of that stuff is so bizarre and over the top, and, and it fits him because Nicolas Cage is an over the top actor to begin with. So the, these are the movies he should have been making to begin you know to begin with. But Wicker Man. Speaking of islands, uh, this was a, a very infamous film, I guess you could say, back in the 70s. It deals with religion, it deals with sacrifices, it deals with kidnapping, murder, all kinds of different things. This movie starts off where a sergeant gets a letter that's actually addressed to him from an anonymous source uh, from, a, from an island. Now, she, I can't even remember what the island was called, Summer something. Uh, let me look that up real quick. Not that it really matters, but... Let me see. Summer Isle. And he goes out there trying to... It, well, anyway, it, it's the, the letter is talking about a missing girl. He goes out there and tries to investigate a missing person of this 12-year-old girl, or however I think she was 12, however mm-hmm. old she was. It's been a long time. It's been a long matter time of fact, since I've seen this movie myself. Matter of fact, I think the last time I saw this was with uh, my friend Jake. So that's been how many years? It was probably like 6 to 15, maybe. It's been a long time. So, um, long time for me, too. Yeah. But he goes out there and he starts trying to find this girl and he's a, a devout Christian guy and he starts seeing a lot of different um, paganistic practices that don't sit well with him. And long story short, he, he uh, investigates this and starts getting himself deeper and deeper into this and bad things start to happen. You know, he does, you know, every, all the locals... Uh, completely dismissed the idea that there was a girl there who's missing he believes there was it uh, turns into like this mystery but ultimately ends in horror like most Christopher Lee yes so, Christopher Lee is one of the big three where you see his name in the credits 95% of the time you know what you're gonna get yep <laughs> and uh, it does end kind of, it does end pretty horrifically actually and we won't say how that happens but you know it's it's definitely a classic, considered a classic. Um, 
in the horror genre, and some people might think right off the bat that it's not a horror film, that it really, it really truly is. I mean, there is... Um, well, I mean, I think the reason people would say it's not a horror film is because it deals with old school horror. It's like folksy horror. It's yeah. like folk horror. Yeah. And like, you know, folklore, mm-hmm. a lot of it is horror. Mm-hmm. Just because it's folklore doesn't mean it's not still horror. So I, I think it's solid horror. Oh, it yeah. is. I mean, it's definitely, and it, it ends on a horror, not horrific note. I mean, there's, there's uh, sex and, you know, sex and, and ritualistic uh, types of things going on in this movie. It's definitely a horror film. It's hard to kind of talk about. I mean, most people know The Wicker Man and kind of get the idea of what happens, but it's kind of hard to dance around the ending. I so, mean, but, you know, the problem is is that the ending, if we tell you how it ties in to the concept of the paganism, it's just going to ruin the end. We don't yeah. want to do that. There's a great twist ending here. Uh-huh. Especially, I will say, this movie is... I, I, this movie is iconic. This movie definitely deserves to be on this list right here. Anyone that sees it loves it. I mean, and shout out. I mean, this is so, I mean, this is such an iconic movie. I mean, songs are made about this movie. Yeah. Not about the concept of the movie, the movie. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, hit singles. I mean, hell, Iron Maiden made a song about it. I mean, mm-hmm. so I'm just saying yeah. about the movie mm-hmm. as a tribute to the movie. This is a great movie. This is. Yeah. Yeah, and Christopher Lee, you can't go wrong with he's a classic actor in these horror films. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, yeah, Christopher Lee, Vincent Price, and uh, Peter Cushing, if you see their name in a horror, I mean, if you see their name in credits, 95% chance it's a horror movie. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, or they got a small part in a huge, big budget movie that you're going to love, like Ten Commandments. Yeah. So. But this is a pretty. This is a solid classic. I mean, it's got mystery. Why was he summoned to this island? Specifically, him when they could have addressed anybody. What happened to the girl? How does this all lead towards the end of the film? When you watch it, you will. You'll understand. You'll get sucked in. Yeah, it is. It is definitely a uh, a good classic film. I mean, just. But I don't. I don't know if I could give it a five. Just because it's not that I have to look at rewatchability, all those types of things. I would say a good four and a half for me. I'll go, I mean, I'll go with that because. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of four myself. Yeah, I'm even good with the four. I haven't seen it. Like, I legitimately haven't seen this movie in now, 17 years. Now, giving it a four or four and a half doesn't mean that it's not a great horror film. I, you just have to look at how many times would you sit down and watch this? I mean, you have you have certain people. That would watch this over and over and over again, trying to pick apart every little thing, trying to find every little Easter egg in there of hidden hidden meaning and whatever. I get that, but for me, this is movie rich is not movie everybody, you know. And I'm thinking, for me, four four and a half is right right B because I I wouldn't watch this movie very often. But I, but when I did see it, it's worth. I can say it's worth the watch. Definitely well, yeah, a good for, film. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen this since I was a teenager. Yeah, same. You know, and same. so. You know, late teens, or maybe early 20s, I can't remember. But I mean, it's definitely pre-20, so I actually kind of want to rewatch this. I actually was bringing this up that I, there's movies on this list that we need to watch we haven't seen. Yes. But as soon as I get through those movies, I'm rewatching this movie, because to be honest, I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy it more. Oh yeah, because you're not. Because I was yeah. so young. Yeah. I have a feeling there's going to be nuance and things, because the story... But yeah, I'm fine with it. But it's been a long time, and so that kind of shows. Yeah, it's not a, it's not an everyday watcher if you yeah. haven't watched something twenty years. Exactly, and I could be wrong. I but I do believe the last, the first and last time I well, I probably saw it a couple times with Jake. But 
you know, I think it was him that showed it. And once again, could be wrong, but in my mind, I'm thinking it was a friend of mine showed that to me when I was still a teenager. And I'm almost 40 now, so you got to think that that's been a long time. So, um, you know, who knows? Maybe I could watch it again, and it's, it's a solid five. But the, the most that's, were, that's what I'm Yeah. Is, my thing is, when I watched it, I wasn't too hard into the folky type stuff. But now that I'm older, I tend to really like that type of stuff. So I'm kind of wondering if I rewatch it, if there's just stuff where I'm like, you know, I watched it when I watched this movie. I watched this movie when I was working at a video store. It was a cheap rental, and I went home and drank beer and stared at the screen. Well, and you know, too, I think it could have been tainted for me, too, because the last Wicker Man I saw was the remake, which I'm not going to lie to you, was an absolutely horrible movie. I, I didn't like the remake. Hey, man, I, I love Nicholas Cage. At one point when I was young, he was one of my favorite, if not my favorite actors, and uh, he makes a lot of bad movies. Yeah, he does. And you know what, dude? You make a lot of movies, so... Well, there, there's one that he did just recently that I, I would probably even consider putting on my list, Mandy. Mandy's a shout-out. You know, this is a... You went to a weird mindfuck movie. My wife recently wanted to watch Mandy, and she said to me, she's like, ah, there's this movie on TikTok, you know, people talking about it, I'm going to watch Mandy. And I went, huh, Mandy, I'll watch that with you. And the whole time, I mostly just watched her face watching the movie going... Because I had already what shown... What yeah. the fuck yeah, cause is I, this? Because I had already shown it. I, I had seen Mandy before it was even on TikTok because I was watching it before it was released. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not not watching the film, but you know what I mean, watching its progress. And then as soon as it released, I, I watched it. My wife hates it, but um, I, it's a fantastic I, movie. I don't love it personally just because it's... I like it. Don't get me wrong. I like it. I can see why people would love it. I also can see why people would hate it because the movie for me is just too busy. It, it is. It is incredibly busy. But it is. But that adds to it. Yeah. It's an experience, and it was awesome, and I really enjoyed it. And it's one of the better Nicolas Cage movies uh, in the yeah. horror genre. And I, you know, that sounds like, oh, maybe you. Nicolas Cage made so many fucking goddamn movies. Like, by the time he's dead, he's probably going to make a thousand movies. <laughs> yeah, he's and be. you know what? They're all going to be enjoyable in some way, because he's enjoyable. Uh, even Willie's. <laughs> Even Willie's Wonderland had me kind of laughing. That was nuts. But like, yeah, there's, there, you know, I don't know. I just I find Nicholas Cage enjoyable. Color, color out of space. And by the way, I, I'm fully looking to see if you get buried in your crazy ass temple mausoleum you bought there in New Orleans. I saw that on the line there. Your strange. You seen this? He built. He uh, bought uh, himself a pyramid that he has built in New Orleans graveyard. I mean, it's a fucking pyramid, like. Pyramid with uh-huh. weird-ass writing and everything. That's where he's going to be housed uh, upon his death after his 10,000 movies. And, uh, fucking trip. That's, cool. that's weird. That's Nick, cra- that's Nick Cage crazy. That's yeah, they're going to do it. Go all out, man. Yeah. yeah. Ah. All right. So, final verdict. What do you think? Four, four and a half? No, I'm fully fine with going four. Yeah, or four and a half. I mean, I'm going to go with it. I, I know this is at least, I'm going to say this. This is at least a four-star movie. Yeah. If not a five. Let's say and four. Just be, let's let's say four, just for now until we rewatch it, and then if we watch it again before this list is over, and we're like, man, this is, then we'll we'll bump it up. But for now, I'm gonna say four, just because it's been so long since I've seen it. And honestly, even when I was a teenager, certain horror movies I loved so much, I've watched many, many, many times throughout my life, and this one I have not done that. So I don't know if this really stuck with me like some of my favorites, but um, but you know I'd, I'd say four four riches. Yeah, four riches. So let's move on. And, you know, I, I want to say one more thing. Like, just there's other things to consider, like film work and acting and aging, and just like something might you know like 
might get a five riches and then not be on the list. Some people might get three and a half riches and be on the list just because 90% of people are going to love it. Yeah. Whereas if something that's made for a thousand people is the best movie made for a thousand people, it's going to be hard not to give it five riches if we like it. But we'll also be like, hey, this is for like a thousand people. We're just those two weirdos that like it. So just throwing that out there. All right. Because I do know we gave like Haxon. And then we said we wouldn't put it on the list a higher score. But that, I mean, Hexen. But that's yeah. because it's special. That's, it's, that's for a small yeah. group of people. Yeah. And it, the, the film work for its time was incredible and everything. But I guarantee you it's not going to be on the 100 when we make the 100 list. Whereas yeah. Wicker Man probably will. I wouldn't put Hexen on there. So. <laughs> um, but bizarre, I, I'm going right? to say I think Wicker Man is going to be on there. Yeah, it might, yeah, well, I can say that. It's one of the all-time classics. It's the same with The Exorcist and things like that. But... Um, and that, there's a reason why the, these things are classics. So, number 38 on our list is a movie I just saw not too long ago from David Cronenberg. Once again, we've touched on him already in this list with The Brood. Um, David Cronenberg, if you hadn't seen that episode, he is known for making extremely um, violent. violent or disturbing body horror films. Um, or having those scenes in regular movies. Yeah, or yes, exactly. Which is actually kind of what I think of Dead Ringers. Now, Dead Ringers is a story about two genius twins starring Jeremy Irons that... Um, they I, both, uh, just those out here, I'm not going to say anything because I've only seen the first 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah, it, it's a very <laughs> interesting movie about betrayal and love and deception and things like that. I, I don't know if I could call, go out all out and say that this is a horror film because a lot of it I, th I think the idea of some of this stuff is horrific to certain people that visually there's only really like two scenes in this entire film that I can say I don't say, even know if I'd say thriller I want to say drama it's yeah it's almost like drama. if you might say drama thriller almost yeah but these two genius twins you, you know the movie starts off with them as boys and you kind of start following along and right away you know that they're they're odd they have a, a an obscured um, sense of what sexuality is and all kinds of things. And they end up growing up and becoming genius gynecologists. They actually invent a, gyneco a gyne gynecological tool, sorry about that, that uh, like revolutionizes you know exam procedures and things like that. And they open up their own practice. Well, as the movie goes on, you find out that uh, both the twins don't share, as in real life, the same exact personality. One is stronger, more um, arrogant, uh, chauvinistic, while the other one is more quiet and um, a little more sensitive. But you find out that the more dominating brother um, has a game that he likes to play where he seduces women and then they switch off because they're so identical that the woman can't tell the two apart. Uh, they end up getting involved with an actress in this movie that eventually finds out uh, she can tell the difference both with how they perform sexually and how they are emotionally and things start kind of going downhill from there this movie uh, touches on drug abuse uh, all kinds of incestual type of things in one way I mean there's a lot of hints of them having three ways and you know you know just weird things like this and one of the brothers becomes uh, completely unhinged, drug addicted, and wants to separate himself from his brother. And that's really where that movie kicks off and starts moving into a horror area. And with Cronenberg, you know there's going to be at least one scene of disgustingness. 
some kind of body horror. He puts it in almost every one of his movies. I mean, like I said, it doesn't matter what you're watching, whether it's video drawing, any, any of his stuff. There's going to be at least one or two body horror images in the film, and this one's no exception, and it's actually very disturbing. It deals with a, kind of a separation of, of conjoined twins kind of thing. It's a, like a nightmare scenario. And uh, ultimately, the movie has a very um, depressing and sad ending. Um, but I, I can't, I don't know personally if I feel that this is a straight up horror film. Is it a great film? Yes, I really liked it. It kept me intrigued the entire time. But it's really about a, a man who's increasingly just hurting himself and going downhill um, through abuse, drug abuse, things like that. And, uh, it's kind of a psychological film, really. It deals a lot on the psyche of these brothers and stuff like that. I, I can't say that this is a straight-up horror film. Yes, as I mentioned, there are some horror imagery in there, but only a couple. Like, this movie isn't, it's not like The Fly. It's not full of, of gore and, and stuff like that throughout. You know, um, and The Fly is another Cronenberg film. It's a notorious body horror movie. Yeah. And I, I couldn't say that this is... Love The Fly. Yes, and I do the too. It's actually one, so of my, one of my favorite horror films. Once again, something I saw originally as a teenager and I've kept watching. I own it. And that was kind of that argument with Wicker Man, you know, going back to that. And let's throw this out here. Jeff Goldblum mm -hmm. in that movie. Not only does a fantastic job, but that dude's ripped. Yeah, he is. He's, yeah. There's some scenes where you're like, yeah, because he's, he's really doing... Does he always think he's this lanky little... Uh, not back then. He was really doing a lot of those acrobatic things he was doing there. Yeah, it takes a yeah, lot they, of, that's, yeah. You can tell. Like, yeah. yeah, It's not a stunt. It's... But anyway, I really liked Dead Ringers. Would I put this on one of my top 100 horror? No, I'll tell you why. Well, I, I don't even need to. I've, I've said it a couple of times. I don't really feel like this is horror. I feel like this was more of a... Uh, and who knows? You out there might watch it and be like, oh, man, this is the whole thing's horrific. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of them tricking women and doing what they're doing, mainly on the on the want of the, you know, the more arrogant brother, but still, he's the other brother's still involved. Some, way, of, some of that... I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure on this, uh, but uh, I'm just going to say I have a feeling that... Uh, what do you think of... Jeremy Irons carrying the movie. Like, how did like? I really like it. The actors. I I would want to watch yeah. this movie. I just haven't got around to it because Jeremy Irons. Yeah. I. How does he pull off? He the pulls it off great. I, and this this would almost be a five movie for me just because I really enjoyed his acting. Yeah. It, when he falls apart in this film because he plays both. You know, obviously it's the same actor. He's just playing the yeah. role of both brothers. Um, it's done well. First of all, Cronenberg did a very good job of filming the two of them. Yeah. Well. Irons playing the two of them in a way where you can't really tell that that's what's happening. Um, and it's pretty seamless. Like, you know, some movies that have the same character playing the twins, yeah, it's, not. it's not very seamless. You can tell immediately. And I, I think he did a good job of making just little subtle differences between them and the way that they acted. And Irons does a great job because he can literally be a real arrogant, chauvinistic, womanizer type guy to a very gray area type of. I don't know, lesser, more sensitive person. He has a scene in there where he breaks down crying, which is very uh, kind of depressing, actually. 
And uh, he does a very, very good job. This movie was more depressing and more of a, like a drama thriller. I'd say there's some thriller elements to it, but not, I don't, I can't say it was horror, really. I, mm -hmm. It almost is more of a drama than anything else, with just a little smidge of horror in there. So would that, you put it on your list? Or? I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on as a horror film. I think that, you know, because in the description, and so I'm not running any slate, they talk about how this was his transition movie to regular movies. Yeah, that's probably what it is. A horror-directed transition, so they assume it's a horror movie. Well, and, and like I said, it has some horrific elements. Some people might find it to be horror mm -hmm. because of how despicable their, their actions are, but at the same time, I've seen so many horror films. Mm -hmm. This is uh, this does not fall into the category of real horror. This is more of a drama, and when you end up watching it, you'll see what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I, I actually tried to start this to watch this in time to talk about it. I got 20 minutes in, and unfortunately, life events occurred, but I was loving what I saw, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. I saw two little kids talk about pussy. Yeah, which is first what I was. Yeah, which is what I was talking about. It was a setup. They don't even know that they're so like. Ah, yeah, it was, it was really well done. It was yeah, well they, written. It was well filmed. It was. It felt like two kids. It would, which well, you know, that's not, a key to a good movie. Not, a lot of children do not feel like children in movies. They feel like little adults. Well, see, the thing though is you can tell that they're off kilter right from the beginning because yes. they because they don't talk about sex the way like a normal couple boys would talk about sex, yes. and that immediately kind of leads on to what these guys are going to end up becoming and it's um really good acting job from jeremy irons really good directing um wasn't a fan of the female lead and not because she, it's not because she wasn't like some gorgeous supermodel i just uh, you know they could have picked somebody better i think in that role I think but it was, her acting. it was her acting kind of but beyond that though um the movie was fantastic this would all oh, this would be a four and a half for me and i'll give it a four and a half but I would give this a four and a half as more of a drama. So this wouldn't make it on my horror movie list personally. I don't know why Slant thought that. Like I said, some people might take this movie differently than I do. Um, having seen a lot of different types of horror, well, I just yeah. don't feel it's horror. Well, we made a big deal last week for all you people who are listening uh, about when we might have talked too long, which is why we didn't get to all of them, mm -hmm. how in the ten that were coming up, there was a lot of movies that they considered horror that we don't. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to refresh on that because I'm going to talk about a couple movies that I don't think are horror coming up in the 10 that we would have covered last week. We didn't cover that many last week because yeah, we, we got Jaws and Poltergeist yeah. back to back. And you know what? You're going to end up talking about Jaws and Poltergeist a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just because a movie has some horrible elements or graphic elements doesn't necessarily make that movie horror. I know I have some friends that would say that. Oh, that, that movie just disgusted me. What did? Well, that one scene. Okay, well, does that make that film well, a horror yeah, film? That's no. like Save It Private Ryan when yeah. the guy's putting his guts back in his body. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's just just but... because you have something you, in a movie that you have to turn your head from <clears throat> doesn't make a film a horror movie. Actually, I think it makes... I think those those little touches of the horrific uh, enhance other genres of movies because mm -hmm. life has horrible moments. Yep. And when you add little... Like, the best romantic comedies usually have a really sad setup yeah. or scene, things like that. Yeah, there, there are dramas. Many, there are many dramas out there that have horrific elements, whether it be rape or whether it be something that's horrifically violent. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make it a horror film. And, yeah. and I believe that this movie, just because you see a couple, a couple scenes in this movie that end badly, you know, that, that would be like calling history of violence horror. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. This movie, in my opinion, is not a horror film. 
just because you can't stomach certain scenes. And History of Violence, by the way, is a Cronenberg film. And just because there's some hard-to-watch scenes does not make a film a horror film. Mm -hmm. So this is, uh, in my opinion, a yeah. drama and Cronenberg film. So you know there's going to be at least one gross scene, but does not make it a horror. You want to watch Cronenberg's horror films and then watch this after, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking <laughs> about. That what Cronenberg films, the Cronenberg films that are considered horror are far and beyond. You're on a whole nother level. Yeah, far and beyond this film. Like, if this offended you, do not watch Eraserhead. Yeah, well, watch what? Eraserhead. Oh, that's Lynch. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's the that Lynch. Lynch. But he he does speak truth there. But, like, you, you For some at, reason, I had a little mind. No, that's okay. That's okay. I understand. But, uh, you know, if this one offends you, stay away from the fly, stay away from rabbits, stay away from the brood, stay away from a lot of Cronenberg's Videodrome. Videodrome was. And some people could argue this, but I've seen Videodrome, and now I've just seen Dead Ringers. And Videodrome actually has more horror elements in it than this does. That's why I said. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. You know, this is not a horror film. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Yep. All right. This one, on the other hand, is a horror film, and it's one of the classics. This is a Sam Raimi film starring the the uh, one and only Bruce Campbell hail to the king baby mm, yes. Evil Dead 2 now they left Bruce Campbell yes beautiful Bruce Campbell which I think uh, I heard we had the privilege of meeting yes we met Bruce Campbell at yes, Barnes and Noble's up here in Reno actually of yeah. all places yeah. um, <laughs> what a guy you could tell he didn't like meeting people but, <laughs> but you gotta look at his fan base he's probably just but anyway, it was interesting. I had a pleasant conversation. <clears throat> yeah, it was interesting to meet him. I mean, you can just tell he's done this so many times. Yeah, yeah just probably like just any you know celebrity, whether you're B or A list, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, but which he, you know, like this, I gotta just throw this out here before I forget. I know a lot of people out there say that the Phantom would have been better if he got it. I still think it was better with Billy Zane. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't. I don't, I'm not a big Billy Zane. Neither am I. But I liked him in the Phantom. I actually really liked the Phantom. I still hold it's one of the best comic book movies ever made. And if you disagree, go ahead and write me, and I'll explain to you the way you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I would. See, I can't say the same. I, I just Billy Zane, man. The Phantom was so fun, uh, so great, and Billy, the special effects. It's Billy Zane, man. I, I don't know. I probably would honestly. Oh, by the way, because this is not going to be on the list, and this is a great movie with Billy Zane. And I don't know if you agree. Dead Calm. Great thriller. Yeah, but Dead Calm was carried by a lot of different people. That Sam Neill, Nicole Kidman, that was an all-star cast back then. I'm just throwing out a good movie. Yeah, it was a good right, movie. Well, yeah, you should probably but, not get signed. Yeah, yeah, it was a good movie, but it, it was there was more than just Billy Zane, although he did play a good psycho in that movie. But, um, yes, Evil Dead 2. They left off Evil Dead 1, which in my opinion is even more of a horror, a true horror film than Evil, Evil Dead, Dead 2. Evil Dead 2 is a horror comedy. Yes, Evil Dead 1 was more they that when they did that originally uh what was it 1979 or something shit like I think that it was yeah i can't remember i thought that one was old old like well, you'll find old. that we're not amazing with dates we don't have minds <laughs> like that well sometimes I, got, I think it was 81 i'm gonna just look because i thought that one was pretty yeah you're right so 1981 evil dead one was their attempt at making an actual disturbing, gory horror film. Yeah, a little anecdote here. So yeah. I got introduced to these movies through my dad, not through the first two, but the third one, which is an action-adventure movie. Yeah, Army Period. of Darkness. It's basically yeah. horror meets Jason and the Argonauts. 
My dad saw the trailer. We thought it looked cool. We actually saw it in the theater. We loved it. It became like a family iconic movie. We watched it hundreds of times. My dad would buy every version that came out as we upgraded, you know, from the different players and everything. Uh, anyway, high school comes. I get my hands on Evil Dead 1 and 2. Let's just say that Evil Dead 1 did not make it with my father through yeah. <laughs> his first 20 minutes. He was horrified. Yeah. He eventually got angry. And the infamous tree scene in Evil Dead 1, he said, what the fuck is this shit? And he walked yeah, off. And he's never seen Evil Dead 2, which he probably would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, well, the only reason so I, Evil Dead 1 is, is not for people... Yeah. It might not be for the people that like 2 or yeah. Army of Darkness. And the reason I even brought up Evil Dead 1 was to lead into Evil Dead 2 uh, how they're different. Because it's almost the same film. It starts off exactly the same. Yeah, I, I honestly say that Evil Dead 2 isn't really a 2. It's a 1.5. Yeah, it's, it's, like like a, a it's like a remake because it, it starts almost exactly the same. Uh, you know, Ash, Bruce Campbell's character, um, brings his girlfriend up to the cabin, plays the piano. He does this, this stuff in both movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Evil Dead 1, I feel like, was... Too hor- I mean, the acting was cheesy. It was old. You know, they had a zero budget when they did it, even though they had a really good spec. I mean, the oh, gore what they the- did with their budgets. Yeah, mm-hmm. the gore in that film is unrivaled. Still, in some of those older films, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm not talking like the thing and stuff like that, but but just the, the amount of gore in that movie, and, and it was not meant to be funny. Now, I don't think there's a whole joke in the entire. No, movie. there's not. It, you know, the demon. One of the demons is kind of dan- You know cracking wise but it's mm-hmm. in a satanic way and so I think that they came back together bigger budget you know years later 1987 for Evil Dead 2 um, and I thought in, in, and this so, is, the second one is I feel like that's where Ash really starts well, to feel his character yeah, well, that's, really starts to uh, get his groove on that became Ash yeah because you didn't get that same Ash oh yeah no, the first yeah. movie he is he is actually devoid of any personality mm-hmm. and uh, he basically you know, I've heard him say in interviews, I've seen him a lot. I mean, he's a, he's a, for all of you who don't know, he is a B-movie icon. He might be the biggest B-movie mm-hmm. star of his generation and might be the last truly big B-movie star mm-hmm. that ever lived. At his, at his height. The yeah. industry, well, the industry's changed so much, mm-hmm. no one's going to get that kind of mojo probably ever again. And uh, he has said multiple places, I've seen it in interviews on TV shows that you'll never be able to find, things like that. He basically acted scared the entire time. That was his one emotion, his one thing. And he's not very proud of his performance. He thought he didn't do that great no, job. No, so, so what so Evil Dead did... He just basically stands in the background and kills stuff. Yeah, so what Evil Dead 2 did is it was like a revisiting. It's almost the same... Well, it is pretty much the same movie, but they, what they did, they added some new elements to it, which was comedy. They made Ash more... Um, uh, <laughs> which, lovable asshole. Lovable asshole. They made him more asshole-ish. They made him... Uh, more just pompous and you know you know that that whole you know he <laughs> does bat- he, yeah he does battle with a possessed hand on his own body and, and just oh yeah like i said this movie even though my dad doesn't even like horror movies because he'd seen our nurse he if we i had started with evil dead 2 he'd love it but now i'll never watch it because he watched evil dead and you could honestly for you people that have never seen any of the you could actually just start right here unless you wanted to go down Oh, that's my recommendation. Yeah. yeah, unless you really like horror, mm-hmm. yeah, start yeah. If you're looking for gore, start with number one. Evil Dead Two. Don't get me wrong; has a share of gore. There's probably one of the bloodiest 
There's a scene in this movie where they, I can't remember how many gallons of blood they said they used, but it was something insane. It's like the most blood used in a movie, I think is what I read on this movie. Oh, I believe. Because, but it's not, it's done in a comedic way. Yeah, there is gore in this film, not like the first one. It's not quite as visceral, but at the same time, um, it, yeah, it goes from trying to be realistic mm -hmm. to a little more slapstick. Yes, it is, there is a lot of slapstick in Evil Dead, too. Yeah, but it's done in a way that actually made Ash's character, you know, Bruce Campbell's character, Ash, iconic. Uh, it, it spun off into a, its own show. Um, it actually launched Bruce Campbell's career. Oh, yeah, this, and, and to be honest, this influences horror comedies. Mm -hmm. And horror comedies basically become this form. Yep. So. And there still are some cool scenes in this that are straight horror. The the creeping demon that comes up out of the woods, which is iconic for Evil Dead. You know, there's still some scenes uh, in here that the, are the undead uh, girlfriend dancing. Yeah, the undead dance. The, yeah, I mean, there's still some horror. But there's no tree rape. But there's no rape, raping tree. There's no just you know straight up in your face dismemberments and and crying and all this kind of and, stuff. To be honest, the fact that all his friends died is because he's a cowardly bitch. Yes, yeah, exactly. Movie. It yeah. doesn't help anyone. You don't. So, but Evil Dead 2 is a great movie. It's funny. It's bloody. It's got it's just iconic scenes. The, the, when he domes the chainsaw hand, I mean, th this movie started all of that. The show, Army of Darkness, uh, like I said earlier, his entire career started with this movie, really, let's be honest. Is this yeah, one? I mean, this yeah. took him to another level I mean you know uh, I mean he made some starring role movies like Maniac Cop but those didn't take him not to like that. this yeah this yeah. is this was different and uh, you know unfortunately for us he wasn't able to ride that mojo to get some of those bigger roles uh, I think they um, will forever be known as like the guy who has a scene or two in a big A-list movie he never really got it but uh you know, whatever. That's uh, that is what it is. But you know, this is. Uh, I agree. This is a fantastic movie. That everyone's going to enjoy this movie. I think yeah. it's one of the most likable movies on this list. I think you could show this to anyone, and because of how slapstick it is, because that, of how likable like, it is, like horror. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, but I still think that you you could, as long as someone enjoys being around you, they'll put up with the over-the-top violence because they want to watch the funny movie with you. Yeah. Right. Like, people are going to like this movie. This is, I mean, yeah, you can't treat like your grandma or something, probably. <laughs> but, you know, any girlfriend, any friend's going to watch this if you enjoy it. Unless you're turned off by blood, which you got to... Yeah, I mean, there's always yeah. been exceptions. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I think this is one of the most... Yeah, this is one of the most mainstream movies on this list. This is a fantastic, fantastic horror movie. This is a five-rich movie. Yeah. I agree. This will actually be on my top 100. Honestly. Oh, yeah. And I think I might have put it higher than yeah. it's at. I mean, this is, uh, this is a great movie. Now, obviously, my personal favorite is always going to be Army of Darkness just because I saw that in the theater, mm -hmm. and I love that adventure movies and all that, and the memories of my dad. But as far as the best film in that franchise, too, you can pretty much just watch Evil Dead 2. The remakes, the TV show, everything pales in comparison to this movie. Not that all the rest of it doesn't have some merit. And the TV show's pretty great. Ash vs. the Evil Dead. If Amazing. You haven't seen it, very yes, fun. the show is that that takes it to a whole nother level. <laughs> but all right, so El that, Brujo. Yeah, El Brujo. So that is number thirty-seven. So we are now going to move on number thirty-six. Don't look now. Nineteen seventy-three. 
Um, I have not had the pleasure of seeing this. This will be one of my backtrack movies that I'll see before we do our top 100, just like the rest. Um, that uh, Dose Rich has seen this. Uh-huh. So I will let him take the reins on this bad boy. All right, so I will admit I have not seen this movie a long time ago or had time to think about it or rewatch it. I watched this movie very recently for this list. I have been wanting to watch this for a long time. And funny enough, when we were talking about movies we hadn't seen, I was like, I think that's that Donna Sutherland movie I've been wanting to watch. So I am glad for this list because it gave me an excuse to finally sit down and watch it. Loved it. Enjoyed this movie from the opening frame, you know, uh, Donald Sutherland at his peak, which, I mean, killer actor, uh, great movie, great film work, everything about this movie is great, not a horror movie. Not a horror movie? This is not a horror movie. So I, so I heard it, it's like a, is it like a ghost story? Yeah, a, this is kind of like a ghost story. So the concept of this movie, this is a drama, thriller about grief. When I say thriller, the only reason there's even thrills in this is because of the ghost stuff. The idea is this guy, I mean, this movie hit me pretty hard. I'm glad I watched it now, not earlier, because I have three kids. And Also, it's a movie about loss. Yes, and my daughter is very close to the age of the girl who dies, and so this movie hit me at just the right time for me, really hit it. This was a five rich movie for me, I was getting and, that out of the way. And that's not a spoiler, right? No, yeah. Yeah, that's just no this isn't the opening. Like, so the concept of this movie is the daughter dies, and the couple moved to a new city to try and deal with it. They run into a couple ladies who offer to let them speak to the dead daughter. They're a seance. They're mediums. And shit gets weird. They start seeing her. They start seeing things. They start dealing with ghost stuff. But this isn't horror. This is them dealing with their grief when they keep being reintroduced with the concept of maybe she's still out there in some way. Can we communicate? Are these women real? Is this shit real? Can I trust my own mind? It's not horror. Now, is there a lot of scenes and cuts that have influenced horror? Oh, so many horror directors have stolen the way certain things are filmed in this movie and the feel of things to set up their horror ghost stories. Uh-huh. But this isn't horror. This is this is a drama about grief. It was deeply depressing uh, at times. You know, I got this. And very enjoyable. I got this confused. Wasn't there uh, Anthony Hopkins movie? Um kind of like this way back when he was young that dealt with something similar to this that's that's i saw that that. yeah i saw that movie i don't know if it was exactly like this but it was like an old anthony horror film no i never heard that's what i thought that this was originally but when i found out that uh it was donald sutherland i knew for a fact i hadn't seen it yeah no this i mean there's thriller elements about like you know what's going on is it real Mm -hmm. i mean it's not a horror movie um this is a fire movie i mean the you know, and I, I put these caveats about my own personal stuff just to explain to you that it might not be a five real riches for everybody. For me, at this point in time, it was. I loved watching this. I'm going to probably watch it again, actually. Uh, uh, my rental uh, was totally worth it, and I think about just buying it. So, so I can watch it when I want to watch it. I'm actually thinking about getting a Blu-ray of it or something. I really liked this. So this is a five, this is a five star, just not on the horror. Yeah, list. yeah, this is a five rich movie. This is... This was a great, great, great film. This, well, isn't, a, this yeah. isn't a horror movie. So you wouldn't put it on your... Oh, no. Yeah. This is not a horror movie. Uh, yeah, no, it's very influential to horror movies. Definitely. I mean, I, I, you just see scenes and go, oh, yeah, this was something that influenced this or that or the other. But this is like a, this is like a, a cult thriller with the theme of grief. Okay. 
And is it going to appeal to most horror fans? If you are a horror fan, you're going to like this movie. But it's also just going to appeal to a 78-year-old grandmother who would not nothing to do with horror. Oh, she's going to love it. She's going to sit there and watch it with her girlfriends and talk about how the movie thrilled her and excited her. All they all got to watch it and how you know and, you know she cried at points. You know, I mean, it's that type of movie. And uh, great movie. And Donald Sutherland's at his peak. You know, 70s Donald Sutherland is pretty awesome. So uh, I thoroughly uh, invasion of Bob yeah. I thoroughly uh, recommend this movie. Um, Loved it. All right. But, uh, yeah, not All right. Well, then let's move on. That kind of falls in the same category as uh, uh, Dead Ringers, kind of sounds like. Five. Yeah, like I said, this was going to be in that 10 that we originally were going to get to. That would mean there was Silence of the Lambs, Dead Ringers, this, and I think one other one. We just, we just yeah. don't think they're Great ones. movies. Just, you know, obviously I still need to watch it. Now, the next one, same kind of situation. Now, I had the opportunity to see this. I've heard about it many times. I've kind of got the basic premise of this movie. I haven't sat down and watched it. There's something about it. Yeah, I know it's number 35 on the list. It just hasn't drawn me in for some reason. Like, where I'm like, man, I need to sit down and watch this. But this one is Carnival of Souls, 1962. Okay, so, you know, Carnival of Souls to me is a horror movie. Yes. Is it a particularly scary horror movie? No, I think there's enough here that is trying to that it's a horror movie, but it's it's barely it's on the line. It's on the line of being a horror movie or just kind of a thriller drama. This is more like a David Lynch movie. Yeah, so just it's like a you know, I, I'm gonna say this. Uh, you know, this isn't a I don't know how to put this. Like this is gonna offend a lot of people nowadays. This movie did not offend me, you know. Like I'm not gonna go into my politics or anything because I, I was I, I studied politics in college. Like my idea of politics is so cerebral that I don't think of things aligned with politics the way other people do. But I do know other people do, and if you have a certain mindset, this movie is gonna offend a lot of people. It might even trigger you. You might not even want to watch it. Or two, you think it's a horror, really hardcore horror movie because these things that are happening are so horrifying. But really, if you look at it from the point of view of the characters and how it's going, it's not that horrifying a situation. There's a lot of strange... This is, the, this is all about following one woman who's dealing with being a woman and single and issues in her own, what's going on with her brain. There's a lot of weird sexual stuff. There's a, one particular scene about um, basically... This guy, who nowadays people would be treated saying she was forcing himself on her, but he's trying to sleep with her, and then she basically, he knows she only wants to do it because she doesn't want to be alone, and then he tries, and she wants him to force himself on her, but he doesn't force himself enough, so then she gets mad, so then he says, I'm tired of dealing with a crazy bitch like you, and then she's weeping on the floor, basically talking about how she needs him, and it's just... It's the type of stuff that a lot of people right now, you're going to find that like horrifying. I didn't even think it was a horrifying part of the movie personally, because that's just, sexual relations are complicated, people are complicated, and this woman was very troubled. But where it does come into a horror movie is that reality is questioned in this movie, <sighs> to the point where none of it maybe even happened. There is dead people in the movie who, you know, Clearly, if you're paying attention, at different points were killed, maybe even by the woman. Now, don't, 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 don't walk the line. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not yeah. going to ruin too much. 
you know, the, you know, basically there's a point in the movie where if you're paying attention, everything after that might not be real. There is a lot of questioning of what society is. So it is very so, lynchish. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it, even, even it's, a, it's a psychological horror movie with very few jump scares, monsters, nothing like that. But well, it is a psychological horror movie. I particularly did not love it. Well, Slant's, Slant's reviewer even says the same thing, that, that it you know, probably had a great influence on... Lynch and Romero and people like that. I, I don't yeah, know I mean, this is the type of movie I could definitely see being... Because you know what this was? This was a drive through movie that took some really serious risks into exploring a subject in the 60s or whenever this was made. I think it was 60, 64. This is 62. A, so yeah, this is a 60s movie, just early 60s. And so, and what, and what is the subject? It's not the psyche of a woman. Not just the psyche of a woman. The psyche of a very, very troubled woman. And just to throw this out here, you know, like, let's just be real about the way society progresses. The psyche of a troubled woman in the 60s was not something you usually go through the drive-thru and explore. So I'm sure the strange nature of it influenced a lot of people. And it's really well done. And, you know, I, like I said, I didn't find anything in the movie offensive. I just know that people have different belief systems out there, and some people are easily upset if you're easily upset by 1960s sensibilities and the concept of how they would look at a troubled woman, you're gonna hate this movie. Don't bother watching it. <laughs> but I, you know, I thought it was a good movie. Well, I liked it. This is, but for me, I didn't particularly love it. Uh, I would give this only three and a half virtues. I would not have it on my list. But very influential movie. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that probably wasn't done before. But here we are, fucking 60 years later, almost. Actually, 60 years later. And, uh, you know, like, it's all been done before. It's been done better. And there's nothing particular here that made me go, wow. Yeah. Like, when I got done watching it, I kind of went, who's there? And, well, you know, five to ten years, I might not even remember. Well, like Rich was saying, I mean, if you're offended by the way that women or anybody else are treated in these films, you got to remember it's 50s, 60s. Different times. Different times. Well, they, you know, just to throw this out, it's not the way they're treated. No, actually, everyone bends over backwards to kind of appease the well, lady. You, yeah, but it's you, just, get, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it, yeah, this, this is, is definitely, this has a different... Look, this is a real movie. Okay, this is a movie about really fucked up people with fucked up interactions, mm -hmm. even for back then. You know, and I'm just saying that, you know, even though we make fucked up movies now, we make up visually fucked up movies and we sugarcoat the dialogue. We sugarcoat how people feel about things. So that people that are offended will uh -huh. still watch the movie and make money. Yeah. This was a movie that was, we're just going to do it the way we think this would go yeah. down. And there is conversations, there is things that happen between the characters that I'm not going to go into the right or the wrong of whether or not someone should be offended. I'm just saying, you're going to be. Yeah, well, it might, and you, you know, might not want to watch the movie. Hey, at the same time, if you like to want to explore that, and that's going to give you the psychological horror, it's just, that's really... The only, but it's just an okay movie, yeah. and I enjoyed it. And I just wanted to bring it up because, uh, you know, there is a lot of this type of stuff in that movie. Well, you know, and that, like I said, going back to it, I mean, I, there are a lot of old classics, and people don't realize that that's how things were back in the day. Then don't watch the movies. Yeah, and that's okay. Because that's like, yeah, no, yeah. If you're like, hey, I'm gonna watch this movie, but you know, I'm just, I'm just throwing out there. You can't, no matter how. It's like, no matter it's how. Same, well, it's the same as if, it's like, Rambo. If we end up talking about action movies, I loved Rambo. There's a baby thrown in a fire. Uh -huh. I let people know that that might offend. Yeah, I mean, and no matter how upset you get about it now, you can't change the past. I mean, you, I mean, you can't change what was done in the past. I should say. So it's either you know you're gonna watch it and like it, or you should stay away from it. 
So this is a three and a half. Yeah, I mean, overall for me, I just, I, I thought it was okay. I thought the twist, I mean, I saw it coming. I thought it's been done before. I mean, it, like I said, this is a movie that's a building block movie. I can definitely see why it was influential to people, but overall, I mean, this is a very dialogue-heavy movie. There is nothing but dialogue and wondering what, what she's trying to say, how she's trying to say it, how fucked up the, the situations are. And then, you know, and also, there's also the flip side of this. Where a lot of things that were fucked up in 60s society that are supposed to shock you uh-huh. didn't even tip the radar. Where the yeah. whole scene is kind of lost on me, just being like, well, now that's normal and there's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Exactly. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's two sides of the coin. I only wanted to bring it up just because that's what this movie's based on. It's based off of dialogue and situations. And, well, and you know, much else? well, and you know what I meant by you can't change what was put on film in the past. It's one of those things, is that's just how it was back then. That's just what it is. That's, that's just, what this movie. Yeah, that's just what it was. But, I, mean, I mean, unless I mean, you can always change things for the future that were in the past, but you can't change what a movie was back then. I mean, it, so I mean, I mean you, I like so it. you're either gonna like it or you're gonna be offended yeah. by it. Basically, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. So no, I'm saying yeah. If there's you know, everyone's got their pet peeves. Like I have yeah. pet peeves in movies. I'm not gonna go into them until they talk about movies. We're gonna try and save time here. But yes, there is things in movies that if I hear it's in, I am not watching that movie. Yeah, and I would appreciate someone letting me know. And yeah. that's all I'm doing. And there's nothing wrong you had, you know, if you have your pet peeves. It's not me. I'm just letting you know if that is your pet peeve. Don't watch it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Now, this next one is a classic. Now, I, this would be on my top 100 easy. And this was Alien, 1979, Ridley Scott. Oh, yeah. This Love movie. Alien. So, I don't care how you cut and dry uh, your opinions on this movie. This was a horror film. This was a science oh, fiction yeah. horror film. This was all about claustrophobia. Alien is a horror yeah, movie. It, Aliens is an action. Yep, yeah, it was. It was a creature feature. It deals with um, more than that. It deals with human horror in a way. It deals. I mean, even though it involves an android, I mean, there, there's a lot of claustrophobia in this movie. There's a lot of script, you know cabin fever stuff going mm-hmm. on in this movie. And you throw this out here as a person whose favorite mm-hmm. subgenre of horror is the creature feature. This is. One of the top three creature features yes. ever made, and, and there are some people that are. Oh well, this I wouldn't say that this is actually a creature feature. I, it, oh, it's it a is. creature. Feature. It is. It, there is literally a monster on board of an aircraft, slowly picking people off. Well, you know the problem with the concept of the creature feature is, it, like, you know, people think it's lowbrow. It doesn't have to be lowbrow. It can be amazing, like this. Well, and what made this movie so good? There's there was more going on than just the alien. Mm-hmm. You know, the creature, there was other things going on here. The alien uh, beca- ends up becoming the main point and the main focus towards the end, back half of the movie. But that's, he's, the, the, the creature is not the main focus for like half the movie. I think well, one of the best things about this movie, and the entire alien franchise, even when the movies are bad, as long as they're directed well, is that the universe is so fucking depressing that there's literally just scenes that horrify you, that aren't even meant to horrify you. Like the the last Aliens movie, uh, Covenant, right? Mm-hmm. The one uh, I didn't they, like that movie. When, I hated that movie. Yeah, but, but when they're going to land on that planet, and they're going through just how insignificant life is and how terrible it is to be alive, kind of with the way it's filmed, and you just you get this overwhelming fucking like sense that Ridley Scott is like encapsulating that like basically life just needs to be snuffed out like alien is what goes on like just in the landing like the landing sequence depressed the shit out of me to the point where it was more powerful than the scenes with the aliens yeah just like like how depressed they were landing on that planet 
Somebody said that that's what aliens are going on. They, they, the universe in Alien. It's dark. It's dark. That yeah. is depressing. That ship is depressing. And if you think about it, that's your life in the future. That in itself is a horror. Yep. You're, you're spending years and years and years away from your family and cryogenic sleep to go out on re- on salvage missions. Yeah, to do low-rent yeah, capitalistic well, fucking yeah, labor that you're never going to appreciate exactly. for. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> finding whole colonies of people completely just slaughtered. I mean, the movie is dark. The first alien, it's not, a, it's not a damn space opera. It's not any of that other kind of crap. It's, it is, li- I'm not saying space opera's a crap, but you know what I mean. It's not, I could see some, no, I, some I could see something, well, it's not really, no, it's science fiction horror. It's and, a creature feature sci-fi horror. Yeah, and that's literally what it is. And that's what Ridley Scott wanted it to be. Um, H.R. H. Geiger's visual... Um, special, you know, like paint, you know, whatever right. his art that inspired the alien stuff is creepy. The the very first alien, that you know, they kind of made it more into just your run of the mill monster movies as they started going along, resurrection things like that. Yeah. The first one you barely saw it. You don't even really get a good view of it till the very end of the film. Well, so it's like, like Jaws. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was the classic formula for making a really scary movie is that it doesn't just show you the creature right up in front of your face. You had no idea what the thing really was. You only caught glimpses of its face when it was dispatching people. The chest burst scene was something that had never done, been done before. That was, that's an iconic horror movie scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, the guy, the guy finally, day it's amazing. Yeah, the guy finally comes out of his coma sleep after, after having something attached to his face for all of you haven't seen it, just to have something horribly destroy his body and, and that's as far as I'll go in case you haven't seen it and is is has, has one of the best parody scenes ever in Spaceballs yes yeah 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 what did he have he had the suit yeah. <laughs> but but there's you know there, there's even a really intense scene that involves an android there's a lot of cool things that go on once again very claustrophobic movie the, the ship as Rich said earlier is extremely depressing it's a you know uh just a maze of different tight tunnels and corridors and darkness and I oh mean, yeah i mean just nothing is lit i mean i think the only lit place in the movie is their dining hall well ridley scott <laughs> ridley scott is a visual genius like i mean not every movie of his do i love but for a long time i thought he was my favorite director and then eventually you know his quality doesn't help but he's no matter what movie the visuals are freaking amazing i mean it's it, he's and Alias is masterpiece. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's the whole movie just seeps atmosphere. And then, can't you know, James Cameron, who's another one of my favorite directors, came out and did Aliens. Which you know, the fact which, that Ridley Scott doesn't do sequels and made James Cameron, I think, made the franchise better. Yeah, it, Cameron changed it though. Cameron, made, I mean, it made the world yeah, feel yeah. different because he brought his style and he made it bigger. It was so. more like an action film. Yeah, it was action Aliens was more action, but Alien was flat out a horror film and which, science fiction. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, well, yeah. You which cannot... is why Alien 3 doesn't work because Fincher was trying to make it a horror movie again and you can tell the producers wanted it to be an action film yeah. and they got I actually heard whatever it, the I fuck heard that, that they cut like they changed his oh, movie. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. You can tell that that movie was one that in editing got raped. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it got, yeah. yeah. It got twisted into this hybrid where they tried to be like well it's got to be like Aliens but he was trying to do Alien again. Yeah, so. no. Fincher is a dark director himself. I believe, like, if they had given him free reign, and I, I, I think I had read this somewhere, like, there is a lost reel of that, like, oh, a I'm sure. I, I'd have to look it up again, but I remember reading a long time ago that there is a cut of that movie that is, um, 
you know, not what you're seeing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Alien, the first one, is absolutely uh, one of oh. the better psychological uh, creature feature science fiction horror films. I mean, it, it just gets under your skin and stays there. There is nothing happy about that movie at all. There really is no moments of relief except for one scene that leads immediately into one of the most horrific scenes in the film, which is the mm -hmm. the, the chest burst and all that kind of stuff. And special effects to this day are amazing. Yeah, it was it was done fantastically, and, and I, I really believe that... Um, I, don't, I think this is too low on the list. I do, too. This, this is one of my top faves. Um, this is up there for me with The Thing and all those types of things. So, oh, um, by the way, I just want to throw this out here. You know, because for you hardcore, you know, retentive people that were like, oh, Ridley Scott does sequels. Look, he did, you know, Covenant and Prometheus. Yeah. Ridley Scott back then didn't do sequels. Yes. He refused. Yeah. He only recently started doing sequels. Yeah. Because his movies don't sell. And them. he shouldn't. Because well, yeah. those movies weren't, I mean, Prometheus. I liked Prometheus. Yeah, Prometheus was okay, but Covenant You, you know why Covenant sucked? It's because everyone hated Prometheus. And so he tried to appease them. Yeah, and I he did. made this hybrid movie. Yeah, I did not. Whereas like it. I actually liked Prometheus quite a bit. You know, everyone's like, "Well, the characters did stupid stuff." Well, stupid people do stupid things and they die. That's how yeah. horror movies work. If everyone did the smartest thing, there would be no horror movie because the creature would just get stopped right in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> like I hate that. I hate when people are like, "Well, that was really dumb." People do dumb stuff. I'm sorry. If you've ever been in a situation where something's horrible is happening to a group of people, which unfortunately I've been in, and I think most people have. Half the people to almost all people do stuff, really dumb stuff. Well, and you, well, and you know, Alien stands the test of time. I even know some guys. I have a, a friend that, you know, I know some people that don't even really like horror films that appreciate Alien. I mean, and that just goes to show you. Oh, Alien, Alien transcends horror. Yeah. It's just a killer. Movie. It, it is still though. It is a sci-fi horror film. Oh, it's a horror film. Yeah. I'm saying it transcends just the genre. Yeah. There's always going to be movies in a genre that appealed to everybody that are just so good aliens one of them and that's what it should be on the list and maybe higher mm -hmm. alright so let's move on for time's sake here because I could keep going on about alien I, yeah I mean there's so much trivia yeah so I, I have a lot of things I could say about it but, uh, but yeah uh, I'm going to say before we move on that's a five for me aliens is definitely a five which one of the screen queens do you like better Sigourney Weaver or Jamie Lee Curtis Ooh, <laughs> well I don't think that uh, Sigourney Weaver is a screen queen oh there you go nice save yeah, I do. I, I actually, she plays it pretty straight. She's kind of a tough gal. I would say Jamie Lee Curtis is a real screen queen. I'll give you yeah. that. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. All right, let's give us the go. All right, so five, you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. So, if I could give it six, I'd give it yeah, six. Yeah, it's one of the betters. I mean, one of the best. Five riches all the way. Yep. So the next one is something that I had never seen until just recently, and actually, I enjoyed it. This is, uh, and I didn't think I was going to, just because I like Rich. I'm not a huge fan of the old Nosferatu vampire style. I know it's a classic. I know the original Nosferatu is like this classic. Yeah. And I've seen that one, you know. If, and, if it captures, when it captures someone, they become hardcore about it. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, do that but you know, for me, the same kind of thing. That's why I've only seen it once in my life. But I'm not saying it's a bad film. I understand, you know, it came out in the 20s. I mean, I understand that mm -hmm. it, like, Transcended different types. Of well, it, but it's like it's like all those old silent movies. Like mm -hmm. if, the, if it if it, the look captures you, there's nothing. There's so many silent films that look that can just wow, well, yeah. seduce you in a way. And there's people that are like that. We didn't find it for that movie, so well, we both. And I believe, and I'm correct me wrong, but I believe we both watched this for this list. Yeah, exactly. We both saw. So this one is not the original, but it does. 
This is called Nosferatu the Vampire. Yeah, well, he had a straight remix scenes for me. Yeah, he does. Uh, 1978, so a far cry from the original Nosferatu. But my stand, why I was standoffish about this movie was because it, it, it keeps that old Nosferatu, you know, look. Look, he looks exactly the same as the 1920s Nosferatu. But I was extremely impressed by this movie. There's actually some of the creepiest Dracula scenes um, that I've seen in this film. By the, yes, just to throw this out here, because Nosferatu is a very dark retelling of Dracula. Yes. Um, a lot different, you know, you heard us praise Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman earlier. This is a much different film, different feel, but it does visit some of the same things. Because it is. Yeah, it's just a retelling of the, the original story. But this one included some things that even uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman didn't. And it, it captures some of the actual animalistic darkness that this... this uh, Prince, you know, this Dracula actually would have if he was, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain. He's almost like a, like a, like a rodent in this movie almost, you know, I, I don't want to say like, he commands rats. Oh yeah, no, he, he is He's not, just a yeah. loathsome thing. He doesn't have the romance and a lot of the, the types of things that Dracula um, portrays in some of the movies that you see him in. This one, he's, he's very loathsome. He's very, um, I, what's the word? Like, he, he has no, like, he's, sense of emotion or anything. So, in the original, you know, Dracula, it's implied that he's, like, it's, he's seductive. He's, yeah. He has this otherworldly air mm -hmm. about him that just brings people to him, that he's got, he's a romantic version. Yeah. And, and yeah. in this, he is vile and creepy yep. and... Petulant, like a child, yeah. with mood swings. He doesn't. And he's he does, gross looking, and he doesn't even go after you know Mina. Is it Lucy or me? It's uh, Lucy. yeah, Lucy. He doesn't even go after Lucy. By the way, tremendous casting because everyone in this movie is an ugly, fucking weird looking motherfucker, except <laughs> for Lucy, which makes her really hot. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Because when you surround her with so many weird looking people, <laughs> she goes from. Pretty hot to extremely. Well, let's well we'll just break it down real quick, and we won't get too far into it. So, so if you do end up seeing it, it's you take Dracula, like Rich said, he's usually portrayed as this romantic, seductive, hypnotizing uh, being that that wants love. In this movie, he's not really even looking for love for love's sake. He is jealous. That love exists and he doesn't have it, mm -hmm. and that's exactly what this movie. Why he does what he does, and unlike other Dracula movies that you've seen, he commands armies of rats, and purposefully spreads the plague everywhere he goes. And so anywhere he goes, he kills entire cities. And he's very childish. He's he's not even after Lucy because he's in love with her. He is. He's petulant. Yeah, he's he's literally jealous that Jonathan Harker has love and he doesn't. So he's like, I want what you have. And, and that's as far as it goes. He never has any any intention of trying to woo or, like, really be with her. He's, he, he just wants what he wants, and that's it. And he, there is no seductiveness about this character. He is vile. He's gross-looking. He's weird. He's creepy. There's one of the creepiest Dracula scenes I've ever seen where he, he uh, sneaks in on a character while they're in bed. And it was extremely unsettling. No sound, no music, just utter silence. 
And, and it was actually very, very creepy. I remember telling my wife, I was like... It was a, yeah, it was, a, well, it was a remake of the scene from the original, but it was done better. Yes. Werner Horizon, he's a fantastic director. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, the fact is it's more powerful when the entire movie has been full of sound and mm-hmm. more silent than in a silent movie. Yep. Uh, and the reaction, you know, of sheer terror, someone is so paralyzed with fear they can't even defend themselves. Yeah, I mean, that was a... Para- he was... In this particular scene, he comes in on somebody while they're trying to sleep, and the person sees him coming. Can't move because he's so petrified. And it's just silent, really weird, creepy scene that I don't think that they've done in another Dragon. Well, the, the whole movie's like that. I mean, Werner Horzog, Werner Horzog, I, I think it's Werner Horzog. I mean, he's a fantastic director. He captures subtleties, and you really got to pay attention. But if you're willing to, the movie, all his movies are great like that. And just to show another fight scene that's just not just one scene and then he just took it from a remake there was a, a there's a fight scene uh, you know I'm not going to ruin which characters but he's biting a woman and if you're paying careful attention uh, you know you can tell she's getting aroused yep. that's pretty obvious mm-hmm. and then he goes to bite her and it cuts to a scene of a bat when it returns from the scene of the bat if you're actually paying attention the camera's focused on her hand she's been masturbating the whole time she reaches the point of orgasm offside of screen and then when she hugs him, it's like it's a coital and post coital embrace. Like she literally liked being bitten so much, she you know took care of business. Mm-hmm. Like that's in the film with a slight edit. So like, and you only would notice if you're really paying attention. And the film is filled with like thirty or forty scenes like this. Yeah, so if you're really paying attention, yeah. this is a really interesting. Dark, yeah, twisted, yeah. perverted romance that takes it beyond just. And like I said, I, I really, even romance, and this creature is like devoid of it. He, yeah, no, he's, he's not. He's, he literally just—he's—he's he's, he's like depression incarnate. He is tired of being alive mm-hmm. and hates the things that make life worth living. Yep, and so he wants to destroy it, and he's jealous. So this movie is driven by jealousy and hatred for people that are happy, and instead of. Like in some of the other, it's the darkest one. Yeah, it was dark, and I really enjoyed it. And they even take uh, Van Helsing in a different direction in this movie. And I, I can't, I'm not going to say too much more because we're risking ruining this. But Van Helsing typically is the the powerful hero of these movies, and he is a despicable person that you don't even like in this film. And he's despicable, and he, the way the actor plays him. I mean, it's like he's so enfeebled and weak, you yeah. can't even tell what the hell's going yeah, on. Yeah, he, he's not the Van Helsing. I mean, they really turned this Dracula story on, on, you know, upside down. And so, really worth it. In my opinion, for me, and you guys got to remember, too, if you don't like gore, this is a PG-rated film. So, th- there is no real gore in this film. Yeah, but I mean, so, there's so, no place where it really fits. No, and so I'm just saying, I'm not, yeah. I just stopped basing my rate. I'm just saying for you people that are squeamish, but you're kind of interested in hearing this, or seeing this, I should say, this is one that you could watch without fear of that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you could watch this with your kids yeah. if you wanted to. I mean, uh, it's still a little... Well, I know, I'm just saying, little, but they really wouldn't get what's going on. Yeah. I don't think they'd enjoy it. I think they wouldn't have the attention span. But I, I do believe if you want to see but a if good... if you really know what's going on, this is one dark ass. Yeah, I believe if you really want to watch a good... Uh, you know, interpretation of Dracula. This is something you should probably see if you're into the you know, more classic style of things. It's definitely not a Christopher Lee movie. It's definitely not like. Oh, I mean, it's art house to the extreme. Yeah, and it's it def- works. Yeah, it's it definitely works. not like a Hammer film. But you got to be in the yeah. right mood as well because of that. And you know, this is not a movie you can watch. I'm just gonna be honest. It's not a movie you're gonna enjoy watching while you're playing a video game, having it on the background of Netflix. This is a movie you're only gonna enjoy sitting down. Relaxing, 
tanked it. Yep. I'd and give it. If you do that, you will really enjoy it. I think I'd give, you know, for me personally, I, this was, this was four and a half for me. I, you know, I'll give this four and a half for yep. these two. This is a really incredibly well-filmed, well-acted, well-paced Bizarre, story. kind yeah. of awkward, you know. And it, like I said, really changes the I mean, a lot of the stuff stays the same from the original actual story, but they tweak it in some weird ways that are very interesting. And I'll admit, I, I did enjoy this more than the original. Mm -hmm. I don't know for the hardcore original fans that this probably blasphemy, but I did enjoy this more than the Yeah, original. I could say the same. All right, so... Four and a half for uh, well, Nosferatu, to the Vampire. You know, for you guys out there who like all the different genres, I knew would recommend Fitzcarldo from Werner Herzog, with the same actor. It's a crazy movie about these people built, trying to move a boat over a mountain, and everything was filmed, and I, you'll never see anything like it, and it will enthrall you. Also, he hooked up with Nicolas Cage for Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. It's a terrible title for a really good movie. Watch that. It's one of the better Nicolas Cage movies nobody ever watched. All right, let's move on. Number 31. This is a, an interesting film starring the, the good old Scar Joe. Well, I think we skipped one. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, we skipped this one just because we were... I forgot to address this. So this is going to go on our back burner with the other um, few movies that we still have to go back and watch because of its... Um, Difficulty in finding to watch. Yeah, we got to buy and ship. Yeah, so Trouble Every Day is the name of this movie that we're going to skip. And I'm sorry, I had that in my mind that we weren't going to do this, so I went past it. But I guess I should address it. Um, Trouble Every Day, 2001. Um, this movie has some infamy around it, apparently. Um, we have been trying, I read a little bit about it. It's supposed to be kind of jacked up. Um, I can't find it to rent anywhere. And I cannot find it in my region on my player to watch. Yeah, um, we're going to have a little trouble, but we will find it. Yeah, but this is going to be probably an eBay film that I'm going to have to buy. Um, or I might just be forced, and especially, I've actually been thinking about this, especially since we're getting into this podcast and we're doing a lot of movies, some of which might become more and more obscure. I'm hoping we're going to get onto a list uh, on stuff that I'm well-versed in, but the great thing about this list is it's and I've said this before it's forcing me to watch stuff I wouldn't have seen otherwise and so I feel like I'm going to end up having to go out and just buy a multi-region or, or a region free player and then this movie wouldn't be as hard to find same with Devils um, which we skipped way way up on the list yeah we need to we're going to go over Devils Eyes Without a Face and this movie there's now Eyes Without a Face is, is easy that that was just yeah, uh, so just haven't had yeah that was just a time issue but uh, Trouble Every Day I'm having trouble every day finding yeah. <laughs> and the same with Devils Devils um, every one of them that I found for sale um, are out of region with the player that I have so, like I said, I'm probably going to go and buy a multi-region player, or non, you know, no region, region-free, whatever you want to call it. And so that one will be a little easier. But Trouble Every Day might be a little harder. Um, I do believe that I'm going to have to find this on eBay, or at least that was how it was the last time I looked for it, which is before we even started the podcast. Because I was actually looking through this before we started, just seeing where I could and could not see these films. And of course, we kind of screwed up and weren't telling you where to see these things. Um, 
Well, we can do that again. Yeah, we can. We'll do just that. scroll the list and tell you what yeah, we're watching. But, um, but yeah, that this is one we're gonna have to skip. I do know it's supposed to be pretty messed up, and so I am interested in seeing it. Um, but we can't. We don't have it in our hands right now, nor can we rent it. So we'll be coming back to that one. That's number thirty-two. Trouble every day, and we're going to move on to a movie you can easily see. I, I know you can rent this on Prime. It's probably on another streaming service. This movie right now is free. It's a Spectrum uh -huh. uh, subscription, and if you have um, Showtime, and that's Showtime through anything. Showtime because you can get Showtime through multiple things. But if you have Showtime through Prime or just Showtime itself. Uh, that's where you can see this, or you, or you can just flat out rent it, or you can just rent yeah. it. Yeah, it's so. pretty easy to find. But I'm saying it is free if you're a Spectrum subscriber or if you're a Showtime subscriber. So this one was an interesting film. Um, I had a friend loan me a copy of this movie years ago, and uh, I will say this: I watched this one alone when I was I was a little inebriated and kind of in a depressed mood, and this film did not help. <laughs> This is a very depressing movie. You know, Scarlett Johansson does a fantastic job in here. Everybody always thinks of her as Black Widow, the sexy girl from multiple different movies. But in this movie, she plays like an alien creature that seduces and kills men in a pool of sludge. They're basically meat. She's basically leading cattle to slaughter in this movie. And um, it's kind of a movie about, you know, over time as she is doing these things she starts becoming more human in a way if that makes sense I don't want to get too far the ending is extremely depressing in my opinion um, some people could say oh all the stuff she did to these people in the film maybe she deserves it but I don't think so because she's not human you know and you know that right from the start so there's no spoiler here I mean but uh, it's 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 a very interesting movie. I don't even know really what to say about it. It's just that she starts to begin to feel emotions as the movie goes on. As where the movie starts, she is just ruthless to her cause. No emotion. She's emotionalist. She's got one goal: use her sexuality to lure men to their death. And uh, it's kind of a weird thing. It's it's surreal in a way. She lures them into this dark pool, and they. They basically die there, you know. And you know she's an alien creature. I mean, it's pretty much very, very obvious. And I, I do believe that through the film, in my opinion, um, she starts to feel human emotion. Like she realizes, I'm in a human body. I, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. And, and it, it leads to some very weird and dark things, ultimately leading to. Um, a very very dark and depressing scene in the end I felt like this was a very very good uh, performance by Scarlett I think she did way away from what she normally does and uh, also for you guys that are looking a little Mr. Skin type stuff here <laughs> full frontal nudity of the Scarlett Johansson just a little not to be nudity, offensive but nudity is a staple of the <laughs> horror genre but if there isn't nudity it might not be a horror film yeah, but she, uh, if I remember correctly, because it's been a while, she's like sexless though. So she, even though she's getting human emotion and and sexuality and things like that, she can't ever act on it because you know, I mean, it's just a, it's a weird movie. 
So, I, I don't know. It Sounds was, like Yeah, it was kind of bizarre. I have not watched this one yet. I wasn't able to get around to it, but it is on my list. I do think that uh, my wife's going to enjoy watching this one, so I'll probably watch it with her. And this is, uh, I mean, it sounds great. It sounds great. Yeah, it, it really is a good movie, and it was well acted. I can't say too much about, much more about it. I mean, I know you guys probably won't mean to go in big detail, but you can't with movies like yeah, this because... We don't want to ruin Yeah, stuff. I don't want to ruin the movie, but I will tell you this. There is a mysterious motorcycle rider in here that you'll have to figure out what that role, what that person's role is in the film. Are they watching her? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? There is um, a lot of weird things going on in there that that are alien and weird. And the director does a good job of training that in the film and in the directing style. And just be prepared because the ending is not happy. I'll just put it to you like that. I can't tell you how and why. But it is not a happy movie. Well, outside of the slasher genre, most endings of horror movies should be unhappy. Yes, this is not a slasher <laughs> film, though. I gotta say. Well, I'm saying slashers are one of the few horror movies when the ending's happy. Oh, okay. I missed it. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I most other horror movies, if the ending's happy, you're like, what the fuck? And you could even venture and say that this is really truly horror. I mean, that's that's an argument for another day. Um. I, I almost want to lean towards this not being like a true, true horror film. I, that some, there's some horrible elements in it. Definitely the ending, definitely some of the seductions and stuff like that. But it, but I, I, I'm torn on this one. I don't know if I could actually call this a horror film. Oh, that's a discussion we'll definitely have after I watch it. Yeah. I mean, this whole movie intrigues me. I wish yeah. I'd seen it for this list so I could weigh in. Yep, it's dark. It's, 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 uh, it's built slowly. There, there is some sci, you know, kind of sci-fi elements to it. I wouldn't, I don't even know if you'd call it a thriller. It's, it's like a surreal, weird, not surreal as in the sense of like a David Lynch film where it's just completely, you know, disjointed and all over the place. But I don't know if this really is class. If I would classify this as a horror film, and um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if Slant saw something in this and they said oh this is this definitely is horror but to me i, I don't know i, I mean no, no, there are there are horror don't get me wrong there are horror elements so i, I guess i could say that it's i guess i could say that, that, that it is partially horror definitely drama and there you know well, yeah, horror drama. yeah i would say horror drama i wouldn't say this is a flat out hardcore horror film i would say yeah i mean i think what i guess you're trying to say is that you go in expecting it to be horrifying the whole way through, and you know most I get because like, you're following the killer in yeah. any movie where you're gonna follow the killer, you know unless you're just gonna end up with basically some sort of fucking death porn, they gotta go through some sort of character arc that's gonna kind of take it away from just in your face horror. Well, and you know there also could be some pe you know people that listen to this that've seen it or are really into it and have seen it like nine times. I've seen it once. It can be like, well, you've got this all wrong. She never felt this or felt that. It's just my interpretation. It might be like, she's not even an alien. Yeah, yeah, look yeah, at that one my, scene. Yeah, in my interpretation, though, it feels like she starts to change, get more human. And that's the, that's what I took from it. Now, like I said, there could be some people that listen to it. Shoot, Jake could hear this. Jake, if you're listening, <laughs> you could tell me you're totally off base. And maybe so, because you got to remember, I listened to this or watched this when I was still, I think I was still living... I might have been in, at Wingfield still. 
So that was years and years and years ago. So I mean, that this, um, I could have a, a wrong take on it, but that's what I took from it. it like stone cold driven, sexualized weapon, kind of like Slant said, because that's really what it was: seducing men to their death for whatever they were doing. You know, whatever the higher power, whatever the higher good for that was, whether it was feeding her or whatever, or or the, her other people or whatever. I do believe through the movie she starts becoming more human because yeah. she, because of her contact. Yeah. And sure is a scene in there where she stays with the guy and, and sees different sides of things and it starts, you know. It takes a different turn. Yeah, it, but I, I guess you could say it was horror. I, I guess there are some, now that I'm thinking about it. But, it. but not like horror in the sense of like, you know, Texas Chainsaw, <laughs> you know, or something like that. It's, it's a lot more subtle and dark and slow. I would still give this, for me, I, this is a four and a half one for me. I really thought this was a good well, this movie. This is definitely going to be on my watch list. Yeah. So. All right, so let's move on because we're running out of time. This is a rich movie. Well, I think we hit 10. Did we hit 10? Uh, let me double check. I thought I we had like maybe good. one because we skipped uh, Trouble Every Day. Nine. We're, oh, no, we're, we're skipping Trouble Every Day. What's yeah. the next one? So the next one is The Leopard Man. Did you see The Leopard Man? I think we should wait on that one. Okay. Well, we're going to wait on the other one because we will talk about that one forever. So the other one is one of my favorite John Carpenter movies besides The Thing, and that's They Live. Yeah, I, I think this is a good point to, to stop this episode. Yeah. I know we only got nine, but technically that tenth movie is very hard to find. But also this sets us up nicely because we are at 30, and we can just do 10, 10, 10. Yeah, and then so we'll, we'll come back to Leopard Man. We'll come back to uh, uh, Trouble Every Day, Eyes Without a Face, which, like I said, I have no excuse of not seeing. I've got it on my queue one. Yeah, I already have it to watch. So, um, what else we have? We have Devils. We have Devils, Eyes Without a Face, uh -huh. and, uh, and Trouble um, Every Day. Trouble Every Day. Leopard Man technically is for the next week because it's the next one on the list. We're not. Okay. So, all right. Yeah, because they live, we can't touch on right now. We'll take way too long. So, we're past mm -hmm. our time. Yeah, uh, I just feel like we're past our time. And I actually have quite a few things to say about Leopard Man. So, okay. I just, yeah, this seems like a good spot. All right. Well, then thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, we didn't drone on too long. But I thought, uh, I thought this was a good list of films. It's getting harder because we're hitting a lot yeah, more Yeah, we're hitting like, the good, good stuff. movies. So, you know. It's going to take us a little longer to get through some of these. I mean, I don't want to just be like, bam, 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 you know, through real good classics. I mean, when we take our time on movies, it means they're, good. It means they're pretty dang good in our opinion, in the Rich's opinion. You might watch them and hate them, but we don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're going to spend Under that time. rock that you hide under. That's cause... right. <laughs> yep. So, all right. So that's it. So next week we'll start off with Leopard Man and we'll move on down the list. We're almost there. And we only have, like I said, like just short of a handful of movies to uh, watch, um, to make I'm up. I'm excited to see what you guys' list is going to look like. I know. Well, some of these movies aren't going to make it. Well, no. Definitely no. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to add different movies and tell you why. And I'm going to tell you straight up that there is going to be a genre of horror movies that is not even represented on this list is going to get some action. That's right. Yeah, some of these movies had no place on here. Well, there's, just, there's a heavy leaning on this list for psychological horror, mm -hmm. body horror, and there's entire subgenres of horror 
that aren't even represented with one fucking movie that when we bring it up, you'll go, oh yeah, those are good movies. Yeah, well, so. once again, Under the Skin, great movie. You should watch it. Very depressing, so don't watch it if you're um, frail. <laughs> in a frail state of mind. <laughs> After so, a breakup? Yeah, well, <laughs> you're just not doing so hot. It's not a, it's not a happy movie. So, um, and you'll, you'll know when you get to the end why. But, um, all right, you guys. That does it for the riches. We are out. Crystal, say Audi goodbye. Audi 5000. Yep. See you next week. Yep, we'll see you next week, and I uh, hope you enjoy. Bye. Thanks, all.